Right. So now that we know what financial independence is, which is what we discussed in the previous episode, in case you missed it, how do we actually start with financial independence? How do you start taking control? How do you start building financial security? What do you do next? In this episode, you will learn how you already have some financial independence in your life, how you can learn and make progress faster, how you can start taking control of your finances today, and how to start investing for financial independence. If you're new to the FIRE movement or new to financial independence in general, this episode is perfect for you because we're going to go through each of the steps to actually get started on financial independence. And so hopefully this will help you identify what is the next thing you need to do to move forward. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Sebastian Aguilar and welcome back to the Fire Belgium show. Today, we're going to talk about how to start with financial independence. Um, this episode is really for beginners. Um, for those of you who have been in financial independence community for a while or in the movement for a while, uh, you'll probably find some of the things I'm going to mention here fairly normal, uh, but it might also be a good reminder. But no matter what, it is aimed at beginners. So if this is you, then welcome. This is going to be a great episode for you. And if you know about this already, or if you find this useful, you know, feel free to send it to someone who might not be familiar with financial independence, and I'm sure they'll get a lot of value from it. Um, so th this is basically, in this episode, we're going to talk about the steps that almost anybody can take um, to build financial security and financial freedom and eventually reach financial independence whether that's early in life or, or later in life. Um, but I'm certain that all of the things that we're going to discuss here today can help anyone shave off a few years, if not decades, <laughs> from the usual retirement age um, in Belgium, or at least make sure that you have a very comfortable retirement in addition to your pension. That is, that is what I'm hoping to do uh, with this episode. So the very first step for anybody to really even be able to start on the journey to financial independence is to realize that yes, you can take control of your finances. Yes, you have control. You are responsible for your personal finances and you can make changes, you can improve things. Not everything depends on your employer or society or the economy. Um, so the first step is really to be able to say, hey, I can make something with this. I can. I can change things so that I can improve my situation. A lot of the conversation that people have is how things are bad around them, happening about things that are happening to them. And I also see a lot of people who I speak to about financial independence who simply say, oh, for me, it's not possible because such and such thing is happening, which are external factors. Like the economy is like this. My employer is like this. In, in, in my uh, social circle, it's like this. Um, so the, the very first step is to, it's really the realization <laughs> that financial independence is possible and that you have power to make changes in your own life uh, and improve things. So this is the very first step. The second step to me is to surround yourself with people who are in that mindset. So join the community, join the community of like-minded people who speak about money and who are willing to take, take control to basically improve their lives. Uh, so that could be the Fire Belgium community. On Facebook, uh, we have a Facebook group with online discussions, meetups, um, in person and online. We discuss all sorts of topics um, there, and, and we develop, you know, resources for everyone to be able to learn from. Uh, free resources and a paid program. There's different things that are being developed so that people can actually take control, make progress 
together forward um, and uh, yeah, make progress in that sense. There's also other communities in Belgium. Be Fire on Reddit is a huge community with tons of resources, a lot of guidance on how to progress with this. Um, I would say Be Fire is, is great for anonymous discussions. Uh, the, fi the Fire Belgium Facebook group is a lot more, well, you know, where there are individuals. So it's more for the connection with other people who are in, on the same journey. Uh, but no matter where you connect, I highly recommend you get involved with the community because um, we have so much to learn from each other. <laughs> and the journey is so much easier when we feel understood by others. One thing that's really hard with financial independence is that we go against the, the crowd. We go against the flow, the general, you know, we, we go against the general way people see life as, you know, the regular path, nine to five, consuming more things, upgrading things, going on bigger holidays and sort of getting on that, um, on that usual train that most people are on and when we take when we when we jump on the financial independence journey basically what we do is we we go we go with this we take a shortcut right we don't take the usual train uh somehow we manage to build you know a spaceship <laughs> that takes us to our destination much faster uh if that's if that's the goal indeed but certainly it's something that goes against the flow goes against common common um common wisdom uh, and so uh, alone is difficult, but when you're surrounded by others and that other people who also see the world the same way you see it, it helps. Now, what you want to do is avoid falling into an echo chamber where you don't see anything outside anymore. Uh, there's a risk, obviously, in that because financial independence, I think, is something that can like take a big chunk of your attention for a while, especially when you discover and decide to dive deep in it. Um, but do that. I think there's tremendous learnings from there, but don't forget about the rest of the world because <laughs> the world continues um, even if you are sort of on a, on, on a separate shortcut to financial independence, let's say. Um, I would say step number three is to take stock of where you are today. So what is your situation today? Um, I'm speaking obviously about, you know, your employment situation, the way you earn money, your relationships, your... Uh, your responsibilities, but obviously from a financial perspective, we're talking about specifically six numbers that you must know. And if you don't know them, now is a good time uh, after this episode to pause and go and figure them out, calculate them, estimate them, write them down somewhere because you need to know exactly what those six numbers are. So let's start with the basic stuff. The first and probably the main number that you have to know is your income. <laughs> Most of us know our income right away because it's something that we see coming every month. Uh, but some people have multiple sources of income and it's it's worth just making sure that your income is somewhere, it's tracked. Um, and if you can also get a history of your, your past income um, so that you have an idea of how much you've earned, right? Uh, Earning some money is sort of the very first step to be able to saving money. So <laughs> we need to track that number is super important. The next one is expenses. And it's kind of, you know, always like in opposition with income in a way um, or with savings. But tracking expenses is important. Um, you have to have an idea of what it is. And the more detailed you can have, uh, the more details you can have on your expenses, the better, um, because it will give you a deeper understanding, a deeper sense of where your money is going, right? Um, I, I like to see money as, as something that's flowing, right? It's like water flowing from one thing to the next. And so 
financial independence is about filling up a bucket of money, <laughs> a bucket of savings that is invested. Uh, and basically your income is the amount of money that's going in and expenses is the amount of money that's basically leaking out. Um, and you want to be sure to sort of plug a bunch of uh, leaks <laughs> so that your bucket fills, fills up faster. That's kind of, it's one, one way of looking at it. Um, so yeah, figure out how much is your income, how much are your expenses. Obviously you want your expenses to be under your income. Uh, and once you have those two numbers, you get your cash flow. So if you look at like income on a monthly basis and expense on a monthly basis, then you have the, the difference will be the cash flow of that specific month for your personal finances, right? So if you're saving money, you're able to, to spend less than you earn, then you'll have positive cash flow. Um, on the other hand, if you're spending more than you earn, you'll have negative cash flow, which means you have to go and draw on to some kind of savings or, or borrow money, and that's not good. So you want to be positive, and then you want to increase you know, that number, cash flow. Right, so and you do that by either increasing your income or reducing your expenses. Um, you know, it, it sounds very logical when I'm saying it to this like this. If you, like, if you if you have a very basic personal finance knowledge, then this is super simple. But for for a lot of people, although they know this, they don't necessarily know what the numbers are and they don't track it. And so I would say start with this. Right, those three numbers are the most basic ones. You must know what's going on with your finances at that level. And once you've done that, you can move to the next three numbers, which are um, assets, liabilities, and net worth. And just like the first three numbers, which were income, expenses, and net worth, um, which is basically income minus expenses equal net worth, um, the same, a similar calculation can be made with asset liabilities and net worth. Sorry, I think I meant net, I meant cash flow in the previous sentence. <laughs> so we have income minus expenses equal cash flow which is what we have to track at least on a monthly basis. And then you have assets, money, liabilities equal net worth, which you, know, you should also track. And if you can track it on a monthly basis, great. Now, assets are anything of value that produces value for you over time. Um, some people also account in there any kind of assets that has value that you could sell, right? So yes, you can include your car, you can include your house, you can include all sorts of things that have value. And if you were to sell them, how much would you get? cash for them. Um, but other assets are income producing assets like, um, like investment, investment in stocks, right? Or a bank account uh, with some kind of positive interest rate above inflation if possible. Um, those would be assets because they are holding value or generating value for you over time. And then from that, you subtract liabilities, which are um, Basically, things like loans and debt, whether you have student debt or credit card debt or loans for your car, your house or whatever, mortgage, all of that would be liabilities that you also have to account for. Um, um, and in some cases, it's good to reduce the liabilities. <laughs> but the idea here is that assets minus liabilities would give you your net worth. And having an understanding of that number is extremely important. If you have a negative net worth, you're not in a very good position. And often, I mean, a lot of people who spend a lot on their studies will have will start life with negative net worth. Um, that's usually not the case in Belgium because we're blessed to have you know, affordable um, an, an affordable education system. But you can also go in negative net worth if you, you know, make a real estate investment that goes, that goes bad, right? If it goes wrong, something doesn't go as planned, that could lead to being in negative um, 
negative expenses. It can also, you can also go, sorry, negative net worth. You can also go into negative net worth if you just simply spend, you want to spend more. To do that, you borrow money more than you can actually afford, credit cards and, and personal loans, and that can be also very damaging. So um, on the other hand, if you can increase your net worth, uh, that is obviously what's going to lead you to financial independence. Actually, for financial independence, you need both cash flow and net worth. And you could reach financial independence by focusing only on one of the two as well, right? So you could focus on financial independence by saying, hey, I want positive cash flow, but I want to be able to have that as on, on a, like a passive income, right? So um, it doesn't have to be then at that point, it cannot really be cash flow from work. Um, but if you find ways to generate cash flow from things that you've worked on, and then they generate cash flow for you uh, on an ongoing basis with little work from your side without having a very high net worth right away, this is still called financial independence if that passive income is um, uh, sort of regular and recurring over time and it can sustain for a long time without you having to do major work. Um, on the other hand, you can also reach financial independence if you accumulate massive net worth without having uh, you know, necessarily focusing on cash flow. That's also possible uh, because that net worth ideally then would be invested in certain assets that produce an income that can sustain your life, right? Which becomes this passive income, passive cash flow. Um, but ideally, you want to track all six of those numbers. So if you don't know what these are for you today, I recommend you start income, expenses, the difference gives you cash flow. Get that for this month or last month, right? And then try to get that from the, for the past year, just looking at your historical data. And ideally, put it down on a spreadsheet, whether that's a Google spreadsheet or an Excel spreadsheet or even on paper. It doesn't matter. What's important is that you see how much you've earned over the past, say, 12 months or last year, how much you've spent and how much you have today and, and how much you've had in your savings and how that is evolving. So... Are you having positive cash flow? Are you having negative cash flow? How is that changing from month to month? Um, are you able to save money? So are you, do you have a higher net worth compared to last year, for example? Like these are all important questions. And I recommend you go back at least a year. And you know, if you can go back all the way to the beginning of your working career or even before, you can, if you can get the historical data on how your personal finances have gone, like that would be amazing. Obviously that's more advanced, but that would be amazing. And then from here, uh, certainly what you would want to do is start tracking. So you've figured this out for this month, as we said, income expenses, cash flow. do that again next month and the month after and the month after. And at some point, this is going to be, become a very easy calculation for you to do. You'll know exactly how to do it. So it won't take much time. It will take time if you can, especially if you, your situation is complicated, it might take quite a bit of time the first time, the first time around. Um, so I would say this is the third step is really, Calculate those six numbers for you and then start tracking if you can. Now, actually, tracking is really the, like the, the condition that allows you to get to four steps. Step four. Um, step four is forecast. So you're tracking your personal finances up to a certain level. And then now that you have an idea of how things have been going in the past, and you know for, if you have some idea of your level of income in the future and level of expenses, you can start forecasting what your cash flow will be in the next month, two, three months, six months, a year, and what your net, your net worth can be in the next few months or years. Um, and again, spreadsheets help you do that in a very simple way, right? 
so to me, forecasting is, is amazing because it allows you to run scenarios. Okay, so what if nothing happens to my personal finances? Uh, so what if everything stays the same? Basically, I'm still spending the same, I'm still earning the same, and I'm doing this for the next 12 months where I'm going to be in a year, right? Now, what if, what if I'm able to save 100 euro more per month? For example, by cutting down on some subscription or something that I'm not reusing. That's an example that I'm using from the fifth step, basically. But basically, like, what if you were, you were able to make some changes? Earn more, save a bit more, so reduce expenses. How does that impact your, your cash flow and net worth for the next 12 months, for example? And I think this is a super important like, exercise to make because it will show you the power of small changes. Right? So you'll be able to, to say, hey, I'm cutting on something here that I'm not using, or I'm, I'm able to sell a few things that are worth so much, and I think I can sell some of this stuff every month. Anyway, over time, this adds up, right? And sometimes it's even something that it takes you five, 10 minutes to do that reduces expenses by 50 to 100 euros, and that basically accumulates and stacks up over time. And so after 12 months, you see the big difference. Um, and the way I like to just look at this, <laughs> it's even more advanced, is you do an even long, well, you make a forecast of a year or even several years, maybe even 10 years. And then you say, okay, so if I'm able, like if, I'm, if I find a way to save 100 euro more, right, what's the impact in 10 years? And that will be thousands of euros. Now, yes, it might take extra work to save these 100 euros today, right? Um, whatever that is. Um, it might also be very easy, no? but what I'm getting at is that the work and effort involved in trying to do that, when you see the, the reward of doing that, either in 12 months or in a year or in a few years, then it becomes a no-brainer to just go and do it because the, the payback is insane, right? <laughs> That's like the, the highest return on investment you can get on your time. Sometimes it's just go and spend some time trying to reduce expenses because the return investment is insane <laughs> over time. Um, so certainly something I recommend to do. Now, you don't have to make those forecasts and to go that far to get financial independence, but certainly is a tool that will help you like, better grasp the power of money, the, the power of, of like long-term and how it can really play work in your favor. Now, I would say the fifth step is to find quick wins. And this is obviously related to the, the previous step that we discussed. The finding quick wins is, for example, finding ways to cut uh, monthly expenses, right? So uh, subscriptions, um, whether that's some apps that you've signed up at some point and that you've used for a while and then you've stopped, or if it's a program that you signed up to and you've used for a while or not, and then you stopped. Um, a gym subscription that, that you know, you, you are sort of, a lot of people subscribe to gyms and just never go to them or they go once or twice and like over periods of time that they should have been going like three times a week and they just don't. That is normal, right? The whole subscription model is built around the fact that people will subscribe and then not necessarily use the stuff they subscribe to. And um, like, if you don't use it, cut it, right? Uh, and sometimes paying you, paying it will help you actually go and do it. And if that's the case, great. But if you've experienced time that you, if you experience that you're not, you're just not using it, not getting the value you want from it, then cut it. And subscriptions are something that's fairly easy to forget. So you you sign up, it's on your credit card, the credit card expenses they get deducted from your account right away. You don't necessarily go and check your credit card balance and the details every month. So these things add up and they just keep charging. Um, so 
there, just there alone, a lot of people listening to this podcast will see that there are, you know, there's good money to be made <laughs> or to be saved, but just looking at that. So I highly recommend you go and check your, your expenses in general um, and whether that subscription or things that you've been buying that you don't really need, um, then stop them, right? Um, now, you don't necessarily need to cut everything. Sometimes you can also change suppliers or negotiate the rates. So if you have a subscription, you know, there's simple things like electricity and, <laughs> and mobile phone and internet, all that stuff. Um, look at it and you don't have to cut it because obviously you must probably like, you like need this stuff, um, need those services, but you can negotiate, change and get a lower rate. And as I said, even if you go, if like, if you save 10 euros, it doesn't look like much per month, but over time it will adapt. And if you do this for all your subscriptions, you might save, you know, a few, you know, a few hundred euros potentially. Uh, and that has a massive impact uh, on, on your personal finances. So certainly these are the quickest and easiest win, I would say. Now there's something a bit harder, but that can also help. And that is to do um, a home inventory. Inventory, sorry. So home inventory is to basically look at everything you own at home, basically the stuff you own, that takes space that you may have paid for and that maybe you don't use as much as you wish you had. Um, and so it's worth looking at what you have, whether that's clothes, tools, um, gadgets, toys. I don't know. I'm talking saying toys because I have kids. <laughs> but things that you have that you're probably just storing somewhere that has value if you sell it. But as long as it's in there, you're not, you know, and you're not using it, um, then selling that can give you some good returns. And it doesn't, you don't necessarily have to sell to get value from it. Sometimes just getting rid of it, donating or you know, making sure someone else can use it um, can also bring you value by simply saving space, right? Uh, if there's less stuff, uh, that means that um, you don't have to do so much cleaning. There's, it, you know, if you have to pay for storage and you have to, don't, don't have to pay for storage. Um, and there's also a mental weight when we have more things in the places we live. <laughs> so you can also, basically this is all the whole decluttering movement, right? So it's essentially a bit of minimalism in your life, which leads to saving money almost naturally. Step six is uh, to consider whether or not you need a budget. <laughs> now we've talked about tracking expenses, but tracking expenses is different from having a budget. Uh, to me, tracking expenses is essential, right? You have to know where your money is going. You don't have to do it every month for the rest of your life. Some people do that, that's fine. But you have to do it for a certain amount of time so that you take control of your finances. And you have to keep some kind of tracking of your expenses globally. Um, but like the details, you certainly need them at the beginning of your journey. And then as you get more comfortable, you can relax a bit. Now, if you wanna go the extra step, which is something that a lot of people are sort of considered as being the first step, that is having a budget. To me, that's not the very first step. I think tracking is far more important. Um, but budgeting can also help. Um, budgeting simply means allocating money to certain expenses. And often tracking is sort of a prerequisite um, or requirement <laughs> for you to be able to budget because you need to see what historically you've been spending on so that you can allocate money to be able to afford those things. And the whole exercise of budgeting is saying, well, instead of spending 500 euros on on going out every month, I'm going to put a budget of 400 because I want to be able to save 100. And so it forces me to make choices within that category so that I don't spend more than 400 and I save this 100 per month. So that budgeting is essentially adding some restrictions or at least being conscious where, where your money is going. It doesn't have to be with restrictions because you can decide on the level of, of budget you put for each category. 
but it certainly is an exercise that brings you awareness about where your money is going and in some cases can help you save further so if you do put restrictions then it will help you save further um do you need a budget um i would say in the vast majority of cases people do need the budget um like anyone who has some struggle financially um and who starts tracking expenses already has a first budget in mind and i think the next step is simply keeping track of that and giving you objectives and limits as to how much can be spent in different areas um now someone who tracks his or her expenses and who has been fairly comfortable already in his, his or her personal finance someone who's naturally frugal may not need a budget so it's not something everybody must have um but i have to say that budgeting is something that can give you good pleasure in um, tracking your finances being able to achieve your goals uh, and, and make the whole thing more fun um, so budgeting can help and i would say there's also something that's called the anti-budget which is uh, something that's for example uh, paula pants from afford anything podcast talks about quite a bit and she says um, simply simply move or pay yourself first so when you get paid move move the money that you want to save or invest immediately in the moment you get paid and then the rest you're free to spend and that's that's also an okay approach um, and it's probably less efficient long term in the sense um, that you'll be spending a bit more than if you had a budget <laughs> but it's certainly something that i respect and uh, i have used that for a long time so i'm more on the naturally frugal pay yourself first kind of person i have not exactly followed a strict budget i think at any point in my personal finance journey uh, but i see budget being an extremely important tool for a lot of people and so i do think it is something necessary and useful to most of us um so that was number six um step number seven would be to learn about investing right so Yes, it's, it's all good to be able to increase, to, to, to save money and, and put that money aside. You need to put that money to work. If it stays on the bank account, especially with inflation, uh, it's just going to lose money over time and it won't be able to put you on the track to financial independence because for financial independence, an essential part of that is to have passive income. And so being able to invest your money uh, is, is, is a very important aspect of that. Um, there are several ways of generating passive income, but in simple investments is you know, the most common way of doing that. When I say simple investment, I'm not going to go into any kind of alternative investment, but we're going to talk about real estate and stock market investing. So for me, um, real estate investing is something I'm not super familiar with, but certainly on my journey, I have explored the option to go that way um, because it was, you know, it was like everybody talks about real estate in a sense. Everybody knows what a house is <laughs> and everybody, everybody understand what buying a house means and what paying rent for a house means and everyone also has heard the saying that paying rent is like throwing money out of the window so obviously all of that made me want to explore that as an option um and i'll speak about this in future episodes for sure because it's a big debate but or it's a big topic not necessarily a debate um but certainly for me it didn't work out so real estate investing was not something i was willing to go for uh, for a number of reasons in terms of risk practicalities work involved and you know who i am as a person and what i'm trying to do with with my personal finances um and i think i would have gone for it nonetheless if i didn't know about index investing so the reason i didn't go for real estate is because i have considered other alternatives and that's initially was stock market investing which was you know 
the first time you hear about stock market investing or, or even think of considering it, it feels like it's a very complex topic that is that you know for which you have to study for years or you have to trust a financial advisor or a banker to do it for you um because that's how it is you know shown in the media and but index investing is actually something that i discovered that completely changed my mind on that because anybody can learn it you can put it in place in just a few weeks or a few months once you've learned and then it takes just five minutes a month it doesn't involve you know some of the risk of real estate investing or the, the high sums you need to put up front. Uh, it's much more flexible and liquid. You can move things around much more easily. Uh, but all you need for index investing is to have a real long-term mindset. So it's, this is investing that is not, does not aim to make as much possible as, as in, in as short time as possible, uh, but it's aimed at making good growth over long periods of time, for example, for pension or early retirement, financial independence. <laughs> so that's, so when I discovered index investing, I realized that was the way for me, right? Um, and one of the reasons I'm making this podcast, like running this podcast, is because most people don't know about financial independence, just generally, and don't know about index investing or both. And I think both of these concepts, to me, have been life changing, and I see that everyone can benefit. So the reason I'm, I'm sharing this knowledge here, and we're going to talk about a lot about index investing on this podcast, it's because it is massively unknown. It's just, it's just completely unknown and can have a massive impact on people's lives. Um, so we just have to share the word. <laughs> people must know about this. Uh, it's completely changed my life and I want everyone to benefit from this. So that's why I'm talking about this. So, so the sef- seventh step is to learn about index investing. If you want to go the real estate route, uh, you know, it's fine by me. It's the most common way to do this. I think often it's because people haven't considered other options and typically they don't know about index investing. Um, some people still knowing about index investing keep going for real estate. And I completely respect that as long as you've explored both ways. Now, real estate investing, I think, does require some learning upfront to be done in the right way. Um, I don't think advice from your banker or your parents or your uncles and aunties, unless there are real estate investors with good experience themselves, but if they just bought their own house and an apartment and a vacation home, I don't think that makes them experienced index, like real estate investor. Um, I think real estate investment really requires work and knowledge and research upfront. So I would say if that's the route you want to take, be sure to invest in yourself first. <laughs> it's really important. And that could take some time, but it's really well worth it, I believe, because each deal is important. The very first deal is massively important because you can really decide on the direction that your personal finances will go. Um, so be sure to do it well. Um, and then on index investing, same thing. Just It's just much easier. <laughs> Obviously, after once you know what I know, it's easier. And if you don't know, then yes, you have to learn it. Um, but it, the, the learning curve there is smaller. It's like it's not as scary as stock markets investing looks like. It's certainly much simpler than what your banker or financial advisor wants you to believe. The whole financial industry doesn't have an interest in you knowing about index investing because they wouldn't make money out of it. So anyway, there's so many reasons why it's it looks like it's complicated, but really it's not. And it can be learned in just a few weeks. You can learn fully on your own with the communities, you know, Fire Belgium, the BFIRE Reddit, uh, the Boggleheads website, and tons of really good books are there for you to learn. And I highly recommend you do that. Like it's super important. And then if you need extra guidance, you can also learn with a coach uh, or follow a program. And that's another really, really solid way of doing that because it you know, basically makes it makes it that you learn much faster. You start investing earlier. You avoid all your mistakes. All of that's super important. Um, 
And if that's something you're interested in, I would recommend you watch the free workshop I have on my website. If you go to firebedroom.com forward slash investing workshop, or even on the homepage, it should be there. Uh, sign up to the workshop and you know I'll, I'll walk you through basically everything you need to know about index investing, whether you want to go full DIY or if you want some support, you will learn in either case. And the third way to go for index investing is to invest with a robo-advisor. Uh, there are currently three that I know of in Belgium that seem reasonably good. Uh, we're going to do episodes on those later. Uh, but robo-advisors typically will charge about 1% for larger portfolios and over time they can charge less but they will charge some money for to run your investments um and as index investors you know i think that is a massive benefit like uh, almost a, a great way to get started and to invest and for lots of people that would be a great solution um for people who are aiming to retire earlier this one percent will change their plans and delay it by you know potentially a few years so think about this carefully uh, but i do highly recommend <laughs> robo advisors in general for the wider population uh, people seeking financial independence might not be the most optimal way of doing it but certainly a good way to start so anyway um so these are the three ways you can start with index investing and so yeah learning to invest that's step number seven step number eight to me is optimizing money for value right so this is more on the mindset side of things uh, but basically you want to use money to buy stuff that you value and what the first step there is like figure out what you value and then you want to use so you want to use money for stuff you value and if you're here and listening this is a good chance you value freedom and security which is what financial independence gives you so when you start buying things you can think about okay so i could buy this thing i could upgrade my car for example or buy a bigger car or buy a bigger house or whatever or i could buy the equivalent difference insecurity and freedom <laughs> and that's basically what becomes um, your way of comparing you know how you spend money um, it's just a different um, it's like a different lens that we add on top of our regular lenses of should i spend on this or not we have one more lens as people from financial independence communities that we say okay so i want it yes do i need it uh, wait i need it yes do i want it yes um, sometimes what I need is yes or no. It's not sure that you actually need it. So do I want it? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to repeat myself. Do I want this thing? Yes. Do I need it? Mm, yes. No, it depends on. Depending on this, you've already made a difference. Uh, we can make a decision. And then third is like, is this extra expense worth it to me? Or should would I rather put that money into having more security and freedom and potentially retire earlier or have more time or more, more options and opportunities in the future? Um, and security right so and that the answer is like yes or no and depending on that you can make that purchase or not i guess it's just that you have one more lens to which you look at your expenses when you value when you know that your money can buy freedom right and if freedom is one of your values <laughs> anyway so step eight optimize money for your values and and then or for for value and then step nine is learn to earn more yes yeah, so we've we've learned about well, we've talked about how to spend less by get, you know cutting on quick wins uh, we've talked about investing you kind of have to learn and start investing um, and how to optimize on your spending which is you know buy stuff that you value but then you also want to find ways to earn more money and obviously this could be you know we could have an entire like there's so much to say about how to make more money <laughs> uh, but basically briefly there's to me um there's to me at least two ways of earning more and that is uh, that, that could be within your career 
right? So either you find ways to get promoted or get, you know, just get a raise at work, uh, or you move to another company that pays more, or you change uh, industry and industry that pays more, maybe aligns better for with, with your character, your values, what you're able to deliver. Maybe it's a place where you're able to better perform. And so, but, but basically focus on your career and find ways to, to align it with who you are and where you can bring most value. Because again, uh, it's about value. <laughs> but if at work you're able to create value and provide value to your employer, clients, etc., then the reward for it will be better pay. Um, you will also need a skill set like negotiation and all this and being able to present yourself and sell yourself, you know, good CVs, being able to network to find better jobs and all that. So it's, it's, a, it's an entire field, right? Um, but it's worth spending time on that. Uh, it certainly played a massive role in my personal journey. Um, I will speak about my personal journey in a future episode, in several future episodes. Um, and uh, so, yeah, spend time on that as well. And most, most people already have that as one of their focuses. Um, but I think, yeah, basically I've reinforced that. And, and if, if you haven't focused on that, I recommend you do think about this, especially financial independence is one of your goals. And then something else that's important as well is if you feel like you've sort of reached a certain level of, of earning in your career, or you simply don't want to push that way, then you could look at something else on the side. So a side hustle, you know, entrepreneurship or freelancing, but basically finding a way to generate value outside of regular employment um, and either keep that as a side thing or, or grow it and invest, you know, further and go the entrepreneurship route, which is uh, fascinating and uh, very hard, but really amazing as, as a journey as well. Um, certainly for any of these ways, and if you want to increase your income in general, you need to keep learning, whether that's in your specific field, whether that's like negotiation skills to be able to move up, uh, management skills to be able to move up, uh, or entrepreneurship skills or anything. But basically, you have to keep learning, right? Uh, so developing your own competence, your own skill set um, would be super important. And you want to be smart and strategic in the way you decide to pursue opportunities to increase your income. Um, you don't want to simply double down on your job, for example, if you know that there's a there's a clear limit as to how much you can make there. Um, in that case, it's probably better to look at a different solution, a different situation. And then if you choose things like side hustles, then be strategic. Think about stuff that will, you know, that has potential for earning, but that also is aligned with who you are and where you're willing to put time and effort. It has to be something you're sort of passionate about, most likely, because for you to be able to make money from something else than regular employment, you'll have to spend time on it. And it's much easier to spend time on stuff that you're passionate about. And it's much easier if that's something that helps others, right? So if you can find ways to create value and have a positive impact in other people's lives, um, that is often rewarded with money. And it's also easier for you to invest yourself in it to make it happen. Um, these are some of my advices for that. I would say, yes, learn to earn more. And find ways to earn more. Don't make this your sole focus in life, though, right? <laughs> Always, everything we discuss here, uh, take it with a grain of salt in the sense that find the balance, right? On, your ex on, on, the, on the saving side, you don't want to save so much that you stop living. Never. You want to live today. By the way, that's the next step. Um, but same on the earning side. Don't spend all your time um, only in that direction. Um, find the balance, something that works for you. It's really important. So actually, yes, that's step number 10 is um, find happiness and fulfillment now, today, right? So yes, do all of these things, but it's very tempting, especially at the beginning of the journey, 
to pour yourself so much into trying to reach financial independence and optimizing everything and pushing to, to the limits on everything and going to the stream um, that we can go so deep that we don't like we lose ourselves in it. And so um, since the goal can sometimes be quite far away, um, I, I, I recommend you enjoy the journey, right? So don't be miserable on the journey, um, trying to optimize everything, trying to get there as fast as possible, you know, take care of yourself, take care of your relationships, <clears throat> because reaching financial independence doesn't solve everything. Right? So if you're hoping that financial plans will resolve all the problems that you have, that's not true. They will still be there. Um, it will be a little bit easier because you'll have more time and options of, and flexibility, but you still have to work on them. And I think if you feel like there's stuff in your life that you have to improve that, that you're not satisfied with, then don't make financial independence your solution to that because that's very rarely the case. Right. Um, so if if you're if you if you want to reach financial independence because your core focus is to quit your job because for some reason you don't like it at all you hate it it's really hard um, then maybe consider changing things there right because you don't want to be miserable all the way to financial independence and and then you don't know whether after you stop working whether that will still be the case or not <laughs> um, so I'd say be, be careful um, so to me yeah, on the journey please like live life and enjoy like do stuff that makes you happy meet people you know find a job that brings you satisfaction fulfillment happiness if possible like be with people fall in love you know play with your kids like spend time with your parents take care of other people be there with your friends for your friends um take care of your siblings and other family members uh be involved in your community like 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 experience being a human being to the fullest that you can you know find something that gives you purpose and meaning something bigger something that's that's impactful that can change things for others like to me it's all about that in the end like financial independence is only a tool for you to live a better life but you have to focus on living a better life not on the tool right just use the tool for that don't make the tool your goal um because you're going to lose yourself in there and you're not, you're not going to get to a happy life if, if, that's, if, if you focus on the wrong things. Um, so to me, it's, yeah, be present, right? Be, be here today, enjoy today. Yes, work on the future. Be smart about how you can do that. Now you know that you have the power to make a difference. Just don't, don't make that your only thing. <laughs> make life your only thing. And this extra power you have, use it to make life your better only thing <laughs> and make life better for other people around you. Um, as you know, in this podcast, we'll talk about other things and personal finance and financial depends. We'll also speak about how to have a positive impact around in our life. Um, and but we have to start with ourselves, I think. And once we are in a good place, we're in a better place to help others as well. So that's what I wish to you. So if you're a beginner, I hope you found this episode useful. Um, I've shared with you the, the 10 steps that to me are essential almost to to be able to progress towards financial independence and and reaching it um it is very much beginner friendly so in for each of these steps you can you know there's a lot of action you can take from just this episode but you can also dig further and learn a lot more again if you're interested in index investing i recommend you check the free workshop that i have on my website um because from there you know basically that will unlock almost everything related to financial invest uh, sorry to index investing in belgium 
Um, and so, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll look forward to seeing you there. In the meantime, um, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Um, please share it with someone that you think this can help. And uh, I'll see you next time. Cheers.